listening to Fly Penguins Fly Game Day Podcast, episode 142. I'm Jeff Taylor. For Jordan DeFigio, who couldn't be with me for this short intro, but this podcast is for you, for Penguins fans, for hockey fans all around the world. Follow us on Twitter at PensPod and on Instagram at FlyPenguinsFly. Going to keep this intro real short because I'm excited to bring you a great conversation with one of my favorite people in hockey, Mr. Harold Oaks. You've heard me occasionally refer to some hockey training that I've been undertaking, learning the game, specifically working on my skating. Well, all of that has been under the tutelage of Harold, who himself was a pro hockey player. In fact, he was a member of the inaugural Johnstown Chiefs team in January of 1988. Harold's got a great story of how he got into hockey as a young kid, Of course, he'll share how he made his way up through the ranks and into his role as a defenseman for the Chiefs. But tonight, your Penguins do pay a visit to the Los Angeles Kings. There will be a jersey retirement ceremony for former captain and Stanley Cup champion with the Los Angeles Kings, Dustin Brown. Apparently, they're also going to cast him in bronze or have already done so. There will be a statue of Dustin Outside Crypto.com Arena, what a name that is for a hockey barn. The game is slated to start at 10.37 Eastern, but because of the Jersey retirement ceremony, Penguins fans out in the Pittsburgh area here, you will not be seeing hockey until at least 11.05 or 11.07 p.m. East Coast time, so brew up that coffee. Your Penguins go into this game against the Kings with a record of 26, 16, and 9, currently in the top wildcard spot, having leapfrogged the Capitals with a great win over the Anaheim Ducks last night. Love that little gif that is going around of bull captain Sidney Crosby throwing the body into Trevor's egress. Get that piss out of here, Trevor. Shooting the puck on goal after the whistle blows. Captain Sid done like that. Uh, the LA Kings coming into tonight's game also on the bubble in the Western Conference with a record of 28, 18, and 7, likely starting goaltenders tonight. I probably have this wrong, but Phoenix Copley for the LA Kings and probably going to see Casey DeSmith once again tonight. But I've been editing this conversation. It's possible that Twitter is aglow with information to the contrary on those starting goaltenders. There's no shame in my game, and I'll always stay the same. Styles upon styles is what I have. You want to diss the Pfeiffer, but you still don't know the half? I think I have a few of those Tribe Called Quest lyrics incorrect. But again, we're all just going to head to the internet after this and research all kinds of things that we sort of knew but didn't totally know. What else happened in that game? Last night, Pierre-Olivier Joseph with two goals. Pens kept passing him the puck, trying to get the hat trick. Would have been the first hat trick for a Penguins defenseman for like over 30 years. I think Paul Coffey was the last one to achieve it. But speaking of defensemen, we are going to get to this interview with the wonderful and the great skater, Harold Oaks. Please enjoy this interview and enjoy tonight's game against the Kings. I'll be back in about 40 some odd minutes with a quick outro. first would like to say congratulations to my son Brian and his wife Rachel on the birth of their beautiful little girl Claire Camilla. 
born just a few days ago. My wife and I are thrilled to finally become grandparents. Listeners, introducing you to a good friend of mine and somebody who's been showing me the ropes on the ice. I've alluded to this on the podcast in the past few months. Harold, why can't I get out on my outside edge on the left side? Why is it so much harder for me? Because you're not bending your knees. You'll develop the confidence the more you do it. But yeah. you do have a tremendous work ethic. And I believe that, uh, well, the bottom line is determination. If mm. you have determination, yeah, that, we, that takes time. It, it, it's, you know, you can imagine doing that every day and getting paid for it. Yeah. Wouldn't it be awesome? And you did that. Yes. Uh, I'm going gonna, gonna to share the lead and then I'm going to bury the lead. But Harold Oaks with me here today was jersey number two. And three. And three. <laughs> yeah, I uh, changed the number through halfway through the season. On the inaugural Johnstown Chiefs squad, the very first time uh, there was professional hockey under the name Johnstown Chiefs, had formerly been the Johnstown Jets, and that jersey design was made famous, but the name changed to Chiefs in the infamous and beloved film of the end of the previous decade, Slapshot. So that film, for those who don't know, was filmed right there in the War Memorial rink in Johnstown, PA. If you haven't visited Johnstown, because of both the more ancient historical flooding that happened there and then the more recent one that happened just after that film wrapped up, 1977, that, that rink had to be completely dug out of the muck renovated and just some years later the inauguration of that Johnstown Chiefs team of which you were a part in the All-American Hockey League I want to get back to that right uh but just a little bit of Penguins talk so here we are Fly Penguins Fly thanks for for coming on the podcast this has been a long time coming Harold you, you follow the Penguins a bit you you see what they're going through and as you know we're recording this in the All-Star break what does this team need to do to turn it around down the stretch. I mean, they've, they've been suffering. Well, I believe they have probably the best or one of the best coaches in the NHL. But I also believe they just need to play with a little more desperation, two-way hockey. You know, years ago, whenever mm -hmm. uh, the, some of the best teams would win, they'd win by low-scoring games. They b became defensive battles. Yeah. But I also believe that... You know, a team like Pittsburgh, they're an offensive-minded team, but they have to think defense first in order to establish, you know, offensive uh, opportunities. So every time you stop offensive attack, you create a, an attack, right? So you get uh, right. your, your forwards back-checking and helping out your defense. Now your defense can actually step up a little more. And also, you know, they have... They're, they're turning the puck over, and now, you know, your team's heading back for an offensive uh, opportunity. But I believe the Pens just have, you know, what it takes. They just need to basically work a little harder in two-way hockey. And they've got the ultimate two-way player with the C on his chest. No doubt about right? it. Yes. Sid he, Crosby oh, could not exemplify that more from the time he steps onto the ice till the time he's the last guy off the ice. And then in the games, I mean, who's oh. working harder behind the net on the forecheck, on the back check? It's 87. Right. You talk about Mike Sullivan. I'll talk, I'd love to hear about more of your thoughts on him. Players have respect for him. Mm. And I think that they need 
to just basically work a little harder because he definitely has a lot of great insight as a coach. I just believe that the players need to, you know, work a little bit harder. But commit most, to that. Commit to, to commit, what he commit considers to, to be Penguins hockey. And Jari goes out with the injury. It's a tough spot to be in. You're not the, the top guy. You're the backup. Now suddenly you have seven out of eight starts and Dustin Tokarski trying to pick up a little bit of the, the slack as well. You feel like the team some nights comes out. It's hard to watch the game and say, well, they didn't try hard or they didn't play hard. It's like focusing that 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 will and, and and determination in the right places. Mike Sullivan likes to say, if our team plays the right way. So I have to believe he's equipped them with what he expects to see the right way to be. What is that? I hear these terms about getting up in fives. What is it that they're not doing? And they must be so frustrated. That last game ends in a loss, San Jose. That's a that's a rough one for those guys. It was like it was a it was a fire wagon game. Well, I think uh, the bottom line is breaks. You know, sometimes the puck luck, but yeah. at the same time, I think you need to play a team like San Jose a little more. You know, of a tight checking game, and when you do that, teams like that tend to get more frustrated. Mm. So when they're frustrated, they're going to make costly mistakes and then Pittsburgh with their great offense for the most part are going to capitalize on those opportunities yeah and it's funny too because that puck luck you talk about I think that was a game where their their goaltender made some pretty sensational saves maybe one of the first times in that last handful of games the Penguins played leading up to the break where I actually felt like the goalie was up to the task Alex Lyon for the Florida Panthers, I believe that's who we faced, a young call-up guy. And, and it, you know, I think that was a 7-6 to six victory for the Penguins. We were in the house. Was that, was that the night Latang came back? I might be – Yes. I don't yes, have my, my proper notes in front of me Letang for this. scored the winner in overtime. Penguins aside, how did you get into this game, Harold? How do you as – as a young boy, how do you end up on the ice? Well – I was, um, I'd say, five years old, and my father built an ice rink in my backyard. Mm. And my family basically really couldn't skate too well, so my father put a bull rope across the yard. What is a bull rope? Explain uh, it, what that is to me. It's, it's just a uh, heavy-duty rope. Like the kind you climb up in you, gym class? Right. Okay, right. okay. <laughs> Wow, that's a big that's a big ass rope. <laughs> right, right. So we we basically held on to that for, you know, a day. And then after that we were just skating because we enjoyed I mean it was just so much fun that we didn't have no fear of falling or whatever. So we really uh, enjoyed having, you know, the rope taken down because we were like we could do this. So And at that time in fun. your in your life, did you have a hockey idol? Like were there names that you knew in hockey yet or was this just Having fun. It was just having fun getting on the ice. But there was a friend of ours, a neighbor, Mm. who actually was affiliated with the Penguins, and his name was Clyde Adams. He was an equipment manager. Wow. Well, he used to take care of the uh, Penguins and do different things, uh, like uh, clean their laundry or... Sure, sure. You know, basically uh, whatever they needed done around the arena. So this man, like I said, he was with the Penguins, and he drives by and... He's telling my father, he goes, oh, you should get your boys into hockey. And my father's like, hockey? I don't know. They, they like this. They're, they're just new to this game. 
He says, well, they're start, they have an um, amateur hockey league association. Mm. It's in South Park. Right. This is, um, Clyde Adams. Clyde Adams, right. right, right. So um, they pretty much, uh, he gave us the information we needed to join South Park Hockey Association. We started playing hockey, and basically that was the beginning of uh, 1968, maybe 69. Penguins were just a, a brand new just expansion. Brand team. new expansion team. Sixty-seven, they just came into the NHL. Wow, yeah. And uh, so hockey was just basically growing. You could go to a Penguin game. There were maybe five, seven, eight thousand people. You know, wasn't really a big thing back in the day. Back Do you remember? Day. I'm curious because now you're talking about that that chronological territory when Michelle Briere died. Do you remember hearing about that, how the young Penguin star had, had gotten the car accident and, and didn't make it? Well, I was a little bit too you were a little young guy. to remember that. Yeah. I mean, I vaguely remember. Those powder blue uniforms. The powder blue uniforms. That but, was, those were the colors. Yeah, those were the colors. But, uh, yeah, he was, he, he was a sensational player. But yeah. being that I was a young sure, player, sure. I really wasn't uh, you know, following the Penguins that much because hockey was something new to so many people in Pittsburgh back then. What about, what, did you follow baseball? Uh, was that a little more on your radar? Oh, yeah. Pirates, the Pirates baseball? And, yeah, the Pirates. And uh, I think the Steelers basically were improving, and the Pirates were probably the big, the big ticket back in you know, the 70s, late, late 60s, I'd say early 70s. That was, heading, Pirates, in, that was heading into an exciting decade for Pittsburgh oh, sports, oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. So many you know, great teams in uh, baseball, football, and then, of course, the Penguins. You know, whoever would think the Penguins right. were going to win two Stanley Cups. And, well, it took you know, them – nice, uh, City of Champions year, and then the ne- next year, I believe, they said, well, maybe we should switch to black and gold, and they made the Bruins pretty mad. Of course, as I just read, when the Bruins attempted to complain to the NHL that, that decade later, and I'm skipping – I don't mean we're going to come back to this, but the Penguins were able to – win the argument based on the precedent that way, way back, the Pirates had already been a registered NHL team, and they were black and gold. So, sorry, Boston. See ya. Oh, that's, that's great. I didn't, I didn't really know that. Uh, yeah. That's, that's great to know. So, but you come up and you play, obviously you learn the game. Is there anything else you want to share kind of about that? Because you've taken me out to South Park. We've trained on that incredible outdoor rink, how would you describe what it was like back then compared to what it is now? Well, they had railings around the whole ice surface. So people that are just learning how to skate would be able to hold onto those railings and, you know, sort of get a feel of the ice. And then after a little while, they would be able to just leave, you know, let go of the railing and skate. Mm. But that uh, that arena, it's like a, a regular ice, you know, indoor ice surface now. You know, oh, now with it's a, like with the regulation, the boards, lines drawn, line, yeah, right, painted everything. everything. Yeah. yeah, right. Like it's I said, great. back in the day, it was just like a big recreation ice surface. Sure. With those sure. rails going all the way around it, still the uh, you know the, the surface was just so huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It almost was like a like European, European ice. ice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we basically just went out and enjoyed skating and having fun playing hockey but yeah. there was only like maybe one or one or two other ice arenas around at that time yeah well of course the civic arena mm. which when i was a kid i actually played down there you know yeah, in all-star games and 
And you would later coach there. Oh, we, yes. I oh, coached man. the University of Pittsburgh when we played uh, University of Duquesne, which was their home arena. So that's was so great. cool. Oh. The original home of the Pittsburgh Penguins, of course, and a place I'll never get to visit, but a buddy of mine had a special commemorative piece that was made out of the steel from the roof of the Civic. Okay, we're going to fast forward just a little bit. And at what point in your life do you get to the stage where you make the jump from I'm pretty darn good at hockey to I'm going to try out for this pro team? What was that? When was that? It was probably 1982. I was uh, living a life, partying, carrying on, actually thinking that hockey's over. Mm. Out of high school, never... uh, pursued my hockey dreams. I wouldn't say dreams. I would say my hockey desire, which wasn't, wasn't that great because I didn't think I had, you know, I mean, I was a good player in high school and in amateurs. I just didn't think that I had the ability to play pro hockey, make it a career. Yeah. So I basically just went on with life. I was in my mid-20s, early 20s, I said, you know what? I think I may go out and play hockey tonight. Go Just lace go them out, up. Lace them up and see what happens, right? I haven't skated in probably, I don't know, eight months or so. Yeah. I had nothing to lose. Yeah. And everything to gain because I figure I haven't skated and I'm just going to go there. out, get some yeah. energy. And so, like I said, I'm out skating around and, and different guys who are out there are saying, coming up to me saying, do you play for anybody? I says, no, I, I don't play. I just, you know... This first time I skated in a long time. Hey, would you mind playing for our team? I said, what do you mean? He said, we have a beer league team, you know, a, a, an industrial league team is what they called them sure, sure. at Mount Lebanon. Yeah. Uh, would you play for us? I'm thinking, well, I, I don't know. Well, let me think about it. Mm-hmm. So they said, give me your number. I'm going to, you know, I'll, or take my number. I can't remember whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, sure, sure you. With Hook the, up with the guys, yeah, yeah. We want you to play for us. And I'm thinking, well, I'll think about it. <laughs> so I thought about it, and sure enough, I said, sure. Let's do it. Let's do yeah. it. But, you know, one thing my sister said to me, get high on skating. Get high on playing hockey. Don't get high, you know, on right. drugs. Yeah. And, and, and right after that, I start believing that I can do this. Mm-hmm. And I became a pretty darn good player. And this is later in years. I'm in my 20s, you know, early 20s. And I start to believe in myself and start yeah. thinking that, you know what, this is, a, this is uh, something that I can do. And I've seen the importance of, uh, you know, a clear mind. Sure, sure. And like I said, um, through that experience, I actually developed a relationship with the Lord. You know, it gave right. me strength and discipline, and passion, and he became the, my coach. Yeah. Well, he directed my path, and he made things, you know, happen in my life that were almost like supernatural. And I just continued to learn scripture, where things are impossible to man, all things are possible with God, you know? Mm-hmm. So my spiritual side became my strength. And instead of smoking cigarettes, I had a little Bible in my pocket, Instead of reaching for a cigarette, I'd pull out my little Bible and read a scripture. Little cigarette pack size. Yeah, cigarette, little, yeah, little Gideon, right? Bible. Sure, sure. I'd pull that out. Basically, I'd get a scripture for basic everyday situations that would come up. Right. So, 
through that, uh, you know, spiritual... That was a big part of your compass at that point. That was a big part uh, of my compass where, you yeah, know... Galvanize that new path of, that, of not only what you're out there to achieve, but how you want to be while you're achieving it. Exactly. And who you're going to become right. along the way. So, so you know, your, your faith, your relationship with God right. had a tremendous amount to do with that, it seems like, and has a lot to do with who you've become. Right. In that sense, exactly fair to say. Fair to say, yeah, yeah. and and also that uh, it has given me, you know, peace, mm. and peace is to me priceless. Right. God has put great and mighty things in each and every one of us, mm-hmm. and through you know following you know His lead, a lot of times you don't want to do something, but through Him, it's basically a lot easier because like you got com- more direction. I've talked to you. I don't know how deep I want to take this thread, but I'm not a guy with a pronounced theology of my own. I heard Bono from U2 refer to it as my theology. Uh, I thought that was well put. Suffice to say, this was this was a big factor for you, remains a big factor for you. And uh, as you share with the listeners here, this is how you got yourself kind of on a path to eventually play pro hockey. So how so how do you how do you go from that industrial league team to doing a pro tryout? How does that occur? Well, I was determined to make a team. Back then you you, you didn't have a internet or anything like that. Yeah. So you had to pretty much put a resume together and write to each team and ask when their tryouts were. Like and, correspond. Right. Snail mail for those young listeners out there today. Right. So what do I put on my resume? I played for this team or that team. So basically, I was, I was making up some stats. What level of exaggeration would you say you were putting into practice here? Like you scored, you scored seven or eight goals, and you put down that you scored 10 or 15 goals, yes. Or, or, yes. or even greater an exaggeration? Well, I that. would say uh, maybe 15 goals, maybe 25 assists, and uh, yeah, sure, sure. maybe 45 games or 50 games or whatever. This, this reminds me of when I was living as a younger man in New York City trying to get a job as a bartender. You need to fake a reference in order to get a job. So I can totally relate to that. Well, it actually worked because uh, <laughs> the Springfield Kings, which was in the Continental League. Continental Hockey like the CHL, would you call it? Yeah, and it was a semi-pro team. Yeah, yeah. So I send out my resume, and they said, our triads are going to be on Labor Day uh, 1984. Yeah. So they says, we'll put you up in a hotel. Pretty nice. So I went to Springfield. I drove you drove down, to Springfield? I drove to Springfield from Pittsburgh, and I loaded up my car as if I was going to make the team. So yeah, Like you were going to move there? Like, I, like it was... It was, you were going for broke. Exactly. So I get there, see, you know, what I'm up against, have a good skate. That day they put us in a hotel. They put four guys in a room. Oh, boy. There was two double beds in the room. One guy slept on the box spring. The other guy slept on the mattress. Oh, shoot. So there's four of us in that room. Yeah. They put us in the worst hotel in Springfield. Like a flea-bitten motel, leaky roof. Leaky roof. We're we're, we're sleeping and it's raining and there's water coming in. For those who've never been to Springfield, Illinois, by the way, and I'm one of them, I've never been there. It is the Abraham Lincoln town. The place from 
from where he ran his presidential campaign and where he was when he got the telegraph saying that he had been elected president. But you leave that you you leave that hotel the next morning to go back to day two of this camp of the camp. And was it pretty clear in those first couple of days that you you had the stuff that you were going to make the squad? That well, the first day I was there, I I felt pretty confident. I was uh, skating against some of the veterans, and one of the guys uh, happened to stand up and throw a check in, put him down. He got up and he starts swinging, and he's he's just going at me, you know. And you stood him up. I stood him up at the blue line. Little, little as a check. defense. Just, yeah, he, just a little bump. You know, played the body. A played bit. the body, and I put him down, and he got up, and he's throwing. Let's go. Him. It's yeah. He he started throwing him, and he he got the best of me. Yeah, and. I sort of felt like, well, you know, it's it's a scrimmage, so they basically, you know, treat it as, as if you're playing in the game. So they put both both of us in a box for five minutes. Yeah. Well, the penalty's over, and out on the ice, I go. The puck goes in the corner, and he's going in that corner, and I says, you know what, I am not going to back down from this guy. So I just went at him. I hit him, and he looked at me, and he says. You know, that I he see gave this, you that nod. He yeah, gave respect. me that nod, like respect, right? So, now I was playing with a defense. My defensive partner, his name was uh, Joe Panach, and he was actually getting himself in shape because he's going to Kalamazoo in the International League. Okay, and he's just skating with with Springfield team to get himself prepared for training camp, which was the next week. Right on. So him and I are playing great defenses together, you know, and basically communicating and really having, you know, a great camp together. A Helping great, each other look a, good at the camp. Right, yeah. and, and the first day of camp, you're thinking, oh, you know, we're, we're playing pretty well together. Well, like I said, that happened with uh, Joe Netty, who was a, a find out that he's a Golden Glove boxer from New York. The guy you'd had that the, interaction the, the with guy, and gotten the double fives. The, right. Yeah. So now the next day I come to the camp, and they decided to split me and Joe Panach up, the guy that was a Kalamazoo defenseman. And put you instead. Put me against him. Oh, boy. And that's what I said. So, so he's a Canadian, and he's, he's a pretty, you know, hardcore Canadian guy. It seemed like he's my friend one day, and the next day, here he is. He's coming in. You know, he's a, he's a pretty much offensive defenseman. Yeah. So he's carrying the puck and he dumps the puck in his own and here I am. I'm a stand up type guy, you know, on the blue line. I stand him up. And what do you think he's there? Do you want to go? He asked me if I wanted to drop him. Yep. And so now I'm looking at him like, Are you serious? I mean, yesterday we're teammates. Now we're you want to drop them with me. Man. And that's what I said. I says, Oh, this is this is gonna be a tough this is gonna be a challenge playing here. Yeah, yeah. You know, just this just, was some this was some raw hockey going on oh, here. Oh, this is raw hockey. This is Springfield Kings. It was like one of the toughest teams in the Continental League. You end up making this squad, and how does the season go? Is it a successful run for the Kings in the in the Continental League? We're playing on the road, and the team that we're playing is probably like a rivalry type of game. Yeah. So we're playing in their barn. And I actually got a broken cheekbone. Oh, man. From a fight? No. It was a cheap shot. I made a pass. And when I made a pass, I sort of followed my pass. And, and a guy on the other team came 
by with his butt end of his stick and he cracked me right at the bottom of my, my oh, right eye. Man, like butted you with butted, the, like butted, a spear almost. Butt like end, in that way. A butt end right under, it could have went in my, could have hit my eye, but it was Oof. right below the eye. I have a broken cheekbone. And Oof. basically- You had like a real shiner there, like it was all black. Oh my gosh, it was, it was black, blue. It, it was really bad. Yeah. So when that happened- we're basically on the bus coming back from Springfield. And of course they had a case of beer on ice. Throw a cold beer on it. In the in the um cooler. In the, the, the cooler was all ice, you know, on the on the bus. We're gonna yeah. head back to Springfield. But before before all that happened, we had our like general manager would stay on our, our bench and our coach. Yeah. So between the second and third period, they nods so over the um loudspeaker. Well, the doctor please report to the Springfield locker room. Well, he was coming to look at my eye. You yeah, know? yeah. He told yeah, me he yeah. got a broken cheekbone. But anyway, we're going back to Springfield, and, and guys are like, yeah, you know, they're all excited. Uh, way to go, you know, whatever. And I'm thinking. Stick taps for taking one for the team. Taking but... one for the team, but I got a broken cheekbone, which it's is not gonna, so glorious. It's not so glorious. It's going to put me out of the lineup. Oh, yeah. But anyway, I, I did come back to play with a a cage they, back then oh, they yeah. used cages so sure. i put a cage on and i was the we went to play at uh i think it was troy ohio mm -hmm. and i was like a marked man because they see the cage they see the cage and they knew that this guy is only playing i mean he's 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 not about 100 he's not 100 he's, yeah. he's probably injured so what do you think happens you're a marked man they're taking so the body they're oh, they're taking everything you know they're mm -hmm. just they're basically taking runs at you but anyway, make a long story short, after that, I was done with that team. I says, you know what? This is not worth it. I was only making $20 a game. But there it is. I had the love for hockey. Yeah, I, you, you, you turned the first page. I turned the first page, and I seen what it was all about. I even had Pete Crawford, who was like a player coach for Springfield, which, you know, his brother, Mark, was a head coach in the NHL. I learned a lot from Mark took me into his home, you know, introduced me to his wife and basically showed me what, even though it was semi-pro, but he was a, he was a uh, pro hockey player, like taught me the ropes and showed me how to be a professional, you know, just right. the way he handled if you're himself. Gonna do it, if you're going to do it at this level, then you need to come over here and learn this, this, and this. Right, exactly. And so that sounds to me like that Springfield Kings chapter is starting to come to a close. How do you end up getting a shot? When did the call come in to be a part of the inaugural Johnstown Chiefs team? Well, the summer, I guess, of uh, 86, 87, I was uh, up in Johnstown, PA, and I happened to go into the War Memorial. You just walked in? I just walked in to see if they were going to have a hockey team this the uh, upcoming season. I went to the ticket office and they mm. said they weren't going to have a team this year. So I walked around the arena and I spoke words of one day I'm going to play in this arena in front of a capacity crowd. Sounds like a Hollywood film. It, it was so like unbelievable how this all came together. Within the next couple of weeks, maybe month, I went to British Columbia to play for a team that was a league that was supposed to start, which was the Pacific Northwest Hockey League. And this is in the fall or winter of 87. 87. Yeah. 
So I went to Chilliwack, and which is outside of Vancouver. What a, what a name that is, oh, huh? Chilliwack. Oh. Chilliwack. I have to say it out loud. So they had an open free agent camp. Mm-hmm. So I went all the way out to British Columbia. There was probably going to be about four or five teams in British Columbia. So went to the camp for a week, and they decided... I guess they didn't have enough finances in the league folded. Right. The P, the Pacific Northwest Hockey League, the PNHL. Right. I came back to Pittsburgh, married with a little girl, and the, my wife was pregnant with my second daughter coming yep. uh, within the next, I don't know, who knows, weeks, months, maybe. I think it was months. She was on the way. She was on the way. Yeah. I was living my life as a nine to fiver again. I, I did have peace because I figured I did everything I could do. You put yourself out there. I put myself out there. But at the same time, there was always that feeling like mm. maybe something, if there was a tryout for a team or something would come about and I would pretty much just jump on it. Yeah. So as I was um, continue, continuing to basically train and take care of myself because it was such a... If you don't do that, there's... Or at least I felt if I continued to do that, I would have, you know, a there might, chance. Yeah. There might be a chance. Yep. But at the same time, I was just moving on with my life. And, and like I say, I walked Man, around the arena. Similar, we're similar that way. <laughs> I just we, walked around yeah. that arena, you know, sure, saying sure. that one day this is, this is going to be... I'm going to be down on that ice playing. Yeah, yeah. I actually was driving an armored truck at the time, delivering money. Yeah. And I pretty much uh, would talk to this one. He was a fanatic. Yeah. And just so you know, listeners out there, you're not seeing this in, in video form. Harold looks like he could he could drive the armored truck and, and protect the money. Harold, you're you're a friendly faced guy, Harold. Yeah. But you don't look like I'd want to mess with you at the same time. Anyway, continue. So I drove into um, a bank that we used to pick up their money. And this security guard came running up to me with his hands up in the air and said, hey, Harold, you wouldn't believe it. Johnston is going to have a hockey team this year. I said, how do you know that? He goes, they just announced it on ESPN. I said, what? Hearing about this story on ESPN, that's how you actually get the news locally, is that it had to go to ESPN to reach Pittsburgh from about an hour's drive east. Exactly. So so being that I went all the way to all the way to uh, British Columbia. That was if nothing. I, if I never would have took the step of faith wow. to go out to British Columbia. As I, far away as, as you far can as go as, in that, North America. And I, I can imagine being away from my wife and children. And here is a team that is starting an hour and you know 20 minutes from it's, Pittsburgh. It's close enough that there's a campus of the University of Pittsburgh there. Exactly. Stone throw away from Pittsburgh. Okay, so believe That's it cool. or not, I get home, and who do you think called the Johnstown Chiefs? Unbelievable! They call you. Were, you heard about it out in the world? I heard it in, I, around I town. I heard it out in town in Pittsburgh. Doing your doing your armored job. truck job. My job. You get home and there's a message waiting for you. Wait, exactly. That's this so cool. number. Call Johnstown Chief tick, uh, General Manager. Uh, John, I know it wasn't the general manager. The head coach had called me. Okay, Joe Selinski. So, yeah, Selinski. Yeah. So. 
you know, he's putting the team, he's putting this team together. Now, how supernatural is a team starting in midseason? It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. So let's set this up again. We're talking again, folks, mid hockey season, getting to be Christmas time about, right? Yeah, that's after Christmas. It's already after Christmas? Yes. So this is about to go down. Yes. And you're get this is on the cusp of happening. It's almost an impossibility to get a call to play for a professional team that soon before they're about to hit the ice. Right. And for that team to be about to come into existence around the new year. Right. It doesn't happen. It takes all year to plan something like this, what have you. But no, they're going to they're going to ice a team from scratch based get it on it started in early January. Yeah, that's wild. It's amazing. That's the AAHL, the All-American Hockey League, soon to become the ECHL, or I should say the Chiefs would become part of the brand-new ECHL. But this is just before that. This is Rewind It, folks. Again, this is the dawn of 1988, the year my wife was born. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, that's me busting chops a little bit. But seriously, that is, uh, that's pretty wild. I went up to Johnstown skated with the team. We had like a week of training camp putting our team together. And it was uh, the second day I was there, Joe Selinski said, I want to sign you to a contract to play for the Chiefs. Killer. Now, I, I still had a job. Oof. My family. You got a lot to my think about career, in that moment. At that moment. And I thought about it. And I said, I'm going to try to get a leave of absence from my job. Well, first I told Coach, I got to call my wife. I got to call my wife and talk about Darn it. Darn right. Talk yeah. to my wife about this. And um, he said, oh. Shout out to your better half, by the way. Thank you. But anyway, uh, I talked to my wife and she says, you've been wanting to do this your whole life. Mm -hmm. Do whatever you have to do. So I went in to talk to my boss. And wouldn't you believe, he says, Harold, you're a terrific worker. I yep. want you to be happy take the leave of absence and you'll have your job and you won't lose your benefits and you won't lose any, see, nothing is going to change. You how, just, how full is your heart in a 24 hour period where Joe Selensky says, I want you on my team on the inaugural season. I can almost picture the box of the clean white jerseys that are now so icon right. iconic, the chief's Jersey, right? You got, Coach, you got the love of your life basically saying, go for it. I believe in this. Take this chance. And then your boss, to boot, gives you that green flag. I mean, you must have been I was, flying. My world was just completely changed. I, I felt like God said to me, well done, good and faithful servant. Like, mm -hmm. I, didn't, like I basically didn't give up, and I kept... And this is for anybody who's listening. Yeah, yeah. You know, whenever things don't look that great, don't give up. Have a have like a, me trying to get out of my left edge. Exactly. It really yeah. almost feels impossible. I want to smash my stick, but I know I got to keep going. Well, the bottom line was, you press in whenever you you just keep believing until something happens. So he wants to sign me to a contract. I come back. Talk to my boss. He gives me the, the leave of absence. He must have thought it was pretty cool. You know, of course, uh, we had a game, I think it was that weekend, 
in Carolina. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think we lost six to five. But we came back to Johnstown, and our opening night was a Wednesday night in Johnstown. At the War Memorial. At the War Memorial. The place was completely sold out, oh standing room God. only. You must have had the chills going up your spine. Can you give us a little bit of a, uh, bring us back late winter of 1988. So we're talking in the January month, home opener, war memorial, packed, standing room only. What's it like in there? Every seat in the war memorial is a perfect seat because it's a smaller arena, 4,500. Yeah. And then there's standing room. People are just so excited. The fans were their excitement was just rubbing off on, on the players. Now, yeah. this is the first home game of the Chiefs. Inaugural. Inaugural. This, this is, is, right, this is... This the, isn't coming back from last season. This is like this presenting is, you folks with your new hockey team. Right. Here are your Chiefs. And yeah. you could just feel that excitement in the stands because, you know, Johnstown's a small town, and there's a lot... And, not, and there's not too many things going on in Johnstown, so... I spent a winter there, I can vouch. At least the coldest month of the winter. I think I was there for January. I've done a winter, a frozen winter with an inclined plane from Westmont down to downtown there is shut down because there's ice on that track, that one little piece of track going down. You know, there's a giant eagle. There's a sheets out there somewhere closer to the highway. Right. There's our sons I've talked to about that biscuits and gravy place. Well, like I said, the fans were... Just uh, so excited that you could just feel the energy in the in the stadium, you know, and yeah. and then to turn around and win the game. Oh, you won the home opener. We won the home opener, Woo. and the fans were just so happy that we won. High scoring. It was a five-three win. Wow! And everybody just greeted us like we were NHL players coming out of the locker room, you know, giving autographs and, and just uh, l- the fans were just looking at us with, you know, just so much happiness because it seemed like they just came out of the, their woodwork. You know, they were, they were stuck in, in their homes for all these probably months. And now that here's the Chiefs gives us a reason to go back and or get out of the house and do some fun things. And, and the Chiefs, you know, provided that excitement for that time. I am going to just go ahead and drop that you're in double digits on HockeyDB.com. You're in double digits for goals and assists on the season. I'll let people do the research to see your numbers. Okay. I want you to go out there, folks, and you can search the 87-88. must have just felt electric to win oh. that game. This is real life. This is big this is big hitting, hard hitting, hard fought hockey too. Oh yeah, it was. But at the same time, you know, they make a picture of it being, you know, so like in slap shot. Sure. They sure. said it was just all this fighting, but it was it was good hockey. There was fighting. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, they basically made that movie a little more far-fetched than it really was. Even Marcus Pedersen will <laughs> drop the gloves sometimes. I got to say, he's gone to, he's stepped up to a couple of bad boys this year, and he has been lucky to come away with his gourd. Right. Because I'll tell you, he, he's got a long arm, and it's just strong enough to keep some of these guys from landing more than one or two. It's not going to take too much with a lanky guy like that. We skated pretty hard today, and I think, <laughs> Harold, it was, a, it was an ambitious 
scheduling idea on our part to play a full hour plus going the whole time. You have, by the way, you got a few moons on me. You've you've lived a few more months and years than I have. Right. I'm sixty three. You never take a break when we're out there. You just glide. You got that. You got that ghostly glide, smooth. That's what you're trying to impart to me. I'm over there heaving and wheezing on the bench, gulping water like I've never seen it before. You, this isn't the last time you're coming on, right? Right. We're going to get you back in here. And we're both, I think we're both falling asleep at the mic. Well, you know, to me, it's such a, you know, great feeling to, even though I didn't make it in the NHL, but something even better came out is peace that mm. I receive through having this whole experience happen. There's so many more, you know, great stories and things that I accomplished with coaching and private lessons and different things also. But, uh, you know, a friend of mine, you know, uh, who helped me a lot is Bob Gergerch, you know, International Hockey College. And maybe mm. one day you can have him on here. Yeah, he had a lot to do with me becoming a defenseman because I started out, right. I started as, out a as a forward. forward yeah. And he told me every team looks for defense. And I, I wanted the glory of scoring goals. And that's what he said. Everybody wants the glory of scoring goals. But you're a big guy. You're a good skater. And I'm sure a lot of teams would be interested in, uh, you know, big, tall defensemen. I, I hate you. how easy you make it look. You know, you call them the Canadian turns or the tight turns. I want to keep working at it because it's just, it's, uh, I'm going to let you, it's three words that you use over and over and over again. Practice, skills, perfect. perfect. Exactly. Harold, thanks for coming on today. Uh, We're going to do this again. It's nice being on. Yeah. Thank you. All right. What a privilege to sit down with my good friend and my mentor in all things on ice, Harold Oaks. Harold, thanks again for coming on the show, sending a lot of love out to you and your family as you've welcomed in your new grandchild. I love that middle name, Camilla, that you said. So lots of love out there to the Oaks clan. That is going to wrap things up for me here on today's episode of Fly Penguins Fly Game Day podcast. Follow us on Twitter at PensPod, on Instagram at FlyPenguinsFly, and please do subscribe to the Fly Penguins Fly YouTube channel. The link to that is in today's episode notes. Remember, if you've got a friend who needs to know about this podcast, go ahead and tell them about it. The more black and gold, the more Penguins fans in the house, the better. Okay, Pens fans, you know you can watch tonight's road game, tonight's super duper late road game versus the Los Angeles Kings live from Crypto.com Arena in Los Angeles County on 18 TSN in the Pittsburgh area and on ESPN Plus everywhere else except the LA area. As longtime listeners well know, one of my favorite ways to tune in, and I will be using this method tonight because I need to shut my darned eyes, is via terrestrial radio or on the web at 1059VXFM where I will be enjoying Josh Gets Off and Phil Bork, the old two-niner, with the call. Brian Metzer and Paul Staggerwald always have the great pre- and post-game shows. Welcome to the Night Owl session, as Brian Metzer likes to say. Enjoy tonight's Penguins Road Game versus the Kings. And, of course, let's go, Pen!